0: Together, I invite us to go to the book of Luke as we prepare to hear from the Word of God this morning. It'll be on the screen behind me. If you'd like to follow on, on your, in your Bible or on your app, on your phone, it's Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55, and we will read this together. Um, hear the Word of the Lord as it comes to us from the book of Luke. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. This is the word of God for the people of God, and together we say, thanks be to God. I've enjoyed this Advent season together, our first week as Sheila brought us our word, as we thought about the um, the, the second coming, about looking forward to to what might be happening in the future. Last week, I appreciate the affirmation I um, received from so many of you, you're all very kind in your um, your words of support and affirmation from last week's sermon. I'm sorry it was a little bit longer than normal. I went and checked the podcast, and I was like, oh, wow, that was a long sermon. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, so I'll, I'll, I'm going to rein it in today. I made sure to write a shorter sermon this morning um, to make up for, for last week being a little more lengthy, but I do appreciate that affirmation I received from so many of you. If you haven't been able to listen to our sermons, if you missed a week, we still have our podcast. Um, I haven't announced that in a long time, but on our website, you can watch the um, recordings of the sermons, and on Apple iTunes, you can download and subscribe to the Dauphin Way United Methodist Church, Dauphin Way UMC podcast and listen to both the traditional service and the um, contemporary service um, sermons. But today, before I begin my sermon, and I actually think, you know, I actually begin my sermon after I pray. So I just talk for a second, and then I pray, and then the sermon starts. So I like to set the scene a little bit before we actually get into the heart of the text, before we start getting into the sermon. I, I would like to imagine if you were in first century Israel, all right? Go there with me. And your entire life, you've heard nothing but stories You've read stories of how great your nation used to be, about how you were a nation that conquered other nations, and about how your nation had great wealth and power. But all you've ever known your entire life was subjugation and foreign rule by the Roman government. The heroes of your nation are a distant past, their memory, and those whom the government has appointed to be your leaders of the Jewish people, of the Israelites, they are corrupt, They are wealthy and they take money from the poorest of people. They are bolstered up by priests and religious leaders who inappropriately use scripture to support their social and political beliefs because it is those social and political beliefs that keep society in the order that they wanted in, the ruling powers. Imagine, you're just a regular person during this time, but amongst you and your friends, there's constant seeds of discord being sown. There's murmuring in the... um, in the back rooms, in the houses of thinking about how are we gonna change things? Like there's a collective wish for things to be different, to overthrow the political structure, but you were just waiting for someone to make the first move so you can join in the revolution. Well, friends, that is the world in which the gospels are written. If you were in the first, if you were in the first century and you were a Jewish person, your world was on the brink of chaos, waiting for a spark. And this morning, I would like to preach from the subject, igniting the revolution. Igniting the revolution. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our path and a light unto our feet. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. And all God's people said? Hey, that's pretty good. We're getting better each week. Everybody's getting a little more enthusiastic. I'm just saying. When we think of revolutions... We think of a lot of different great people that come to mind, right? Like George Washington, leader of the colonists and the first president of the United States of America, the proud of Mount Vernon, a model of a modern major general. Say that five times fast, good luck. He, he led the army through blistering winters and against great financial odds and he was doubted and ridiculed at times but he was revolutionary that believed in his cause and he triumphed. He triumphed and he's somebody we think of. That man was a revolutionary Or William Wallace. Have you ever seen the movie Braveheart? Every guy in here is like, yeah, Braveheart. Such a great movie. I want to hang out and watch Braveheart. Well, William Wallace was the leader of the Scots. uh, They were oppressed by the English people, and and he was just this common man who was raised up to to say, you know, things are not right. I want things to be different. And he was a revolutionary. And, And when you think of William Wallace and revolution, you think of like the epic battle scenes, and he's painted with this blue face, and there's the inspirational music, and there's the battle montage, and that's a revolution. Revolution, right? Throughout history there's Joan of Arc and Napoleon for the French Revolution and mostly most people know the French Revolution more through the play Les Mis though than they might their actual French history. But we think of you know do you hear the people sing singing the songs of angry men like we want this revolution to happen. But there's other types of revolutionaries too throughout history. Martin Luther led the Reformation a revolution against the Catholic Church for reform that ended up starting Protestantism. Gandhi argued for peaceful forms of protest, and he was a great revolutionary. Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat on a bus in downtown Montgomery where I've spent my past 10 years. And what's funny about a lot of those, most of those revolutions I mentioned are like hundreds of years ago. The Montgomery bus boycotts were only 62 years ago. It's only been over the past 52 years that the Voting Rights Act was passed. And if you think about it, historically, it's pretty crazy. There's only been 52 years that African Americans have had equal rights in our country, that revolution was pretty recently. I, you know, I'm in 20-something, so I think anything beyond 30 years happened in like ancient history. So, uh, it's sorry for anybody over 30, but uh, it, it's uh, it's still it's so surprising. Like 52 years, though, is really not that long. A lot of people over 50, are like, yeah, it's not that long. I mentioned all these examples to show the revolutionaries that typically have like big personalities or their personas are really blown up after the fact, after the revolution, right? But you know who doesn't get credit for being a revolutionary? Who is not often thought of as inciting revolution, but rather as a passive participant in a cosmic reordering? Mary. When we think of revolutionary, we don't typically think Mary, the mother of Jesus. And we think Mary, the mother of Jesus, we don't typically think revolutionary, but make no, make, make no mistake, my friends, Luke's gospel as well as our own faith tradition affirms that Mary's role in this divine activity of the first century in Israel was not passive, but was in fact deeply participatory. Like, did you hear the contempt in her song in the verses we just read? There's fire there. We often read these as being like a song of praise. In our tradition, we call this group of texts the Magnificat or Mary's song. And this text comes during this time of Advent and is normally reserved for the fourth week of Advent almost every year. Um, but because the fourth week of Advent and Christmas Eve are on the same Sunday next week, the lectionary lets us you know, have a little wiggle room with that. And I did not want to only talk about the nativity next week and be and miss out on the Magnificat and Mary's song because it's so powerful. When we sit with this text as it, is, as it was written, you'll see that there's great power in her words In the the Christian tradition, Mary is referred to as Theotakos. I'm teaching you Greek this morning, right? You're all leaving your Greek scholars. Theotakos. Theo meaning God, takos to bear. So she's the God bearer. We know that Mary was the bearer of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ was the son of God. The tradition of our church has long praised Mary as a gentle teenage girl who had tremendous bravery in bearing a child out of wedlock. We often talk about this young woman. She was so sweet and she wrapped Jesus in cloth and we have this really kind of dainty picture of who Mary was. But this song of Mary is anything but sweet and gentle. Just listen to the vociferous nature of her words. Listen, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped the servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to the people of Abraham's ancestors. These don't sound like words of some dainty handmaid. They sound like the rallying cry of a revolution. I mean, do you remember like the crescendo of the original Independence Day movie when he's like, we will not go quietly into the night, we will vanquish without a fight, we will live on, we will survive. I kind of feel like that's how we're supposed to read these verses. Maybe not with the aliens and such, but it's (laughs) supposed to have that same sentiment, supposed to just like have this welling up like, man, something awesome's about to happen, we should get pumped because we're going to be leading this revolution. Mary's words in Luke aren't meant to be gentle. They're not just some sweet song of praise like, yay, God's so great. God's so good. Let us thank him for our food. I think the reason why we miss that when we read this is because it sounds like she's referring to things that have already happened to her. But when, in fact, if you read that first part again, it says, you know, they will call me blessed. They will say I am Blessed. And then she says, and these are the reasons, this is what they will say when they say, I am blessed. So she speaks in past tense, but she's talking about something future-oriented. And so we kind of miss that when we read this. So Mary, for the the activity of God has not yet happened. If it had, um, it would be a very different tone. But the way it should read, or if we hear it correctly, would be, through this child, God will scatter the proud. God will bring down rulers from their thrones. God will lift up the humble. God will send away the rich. When we read this text in this way, our maiden Mary goes from sounding like she's reflecting on things God has done to prophesying the destruction of oppressive institutions and regimes. She's proclaiming the revolution is about to happen, and so you all should join in because this is what God is about to do through Jesus. The nativity story, the Mary story, we like to wrap it in this nice bow. It's so sweet. It's so nice. Mary's so nice. Mary's like on the front line saying, things got to change, and this baby in my womb is about to do it. So get ready, buckle up. Things are going to be, God through this child is going to change the world. Everything is going to be different. Till the world turns upside down, God will be at work through this baby. This song This scene of Mary should read more like like the inspirational speech leading to the final battle or from a coach before the high school state championship in an inspirational sports movie. Like that is what Mary is doing here, more than sounding like the epitaph of some gentle praise. This particular text is very rich for us during this Advent season and all the texts during Advent during the, from the lectionary, the, the prescribed texts from the tradition of the church, they change year to year over a three-year period. But every year, the Magnificat is read. This text does not get left out. It's part of the reading each year. And I think it's important, and the Christian tradition realizes this is an important text to remember because it has a weightiness and significance for us today as well. And why is that? Why do we need to remember the speech that Mary gave before Jesus came? Because as we've been saying the past couple weeks, Advent is a reflection on the already and not yet. The same reason we have done anything else during Advent. Because the work of God in and through the life of the church is not done yet. The kingdom of God is already in that Christ came, lived, died, resurrected, and ascended to heaven. And we know that. And we know that God is with us through the Holy Spirit. And that is what we mean when we say that we are living in the already. God is at work, but we are also very much still in the not yet. We're trying to make the kingdom of God known on earth as it is in heaven. A lot of you read that book, Garden City. I've heard that book talked about so much. It has a great you know, image about you know heaven is coming to earth. The New Testament talks about it's not that we're going to die and all fly away, but God is bringing heaven here, making the kingdom known on earth as it is in heaven, But we are still in the not yet. There is still sin. There is still hurt. There is still oppression. The world is not yet fully living into the will of God at all times. So we are in the already and the not yet. So since we are in the not yet, the song of Mary, the mother of Jesus, should still carry the same weight for me and you today. We should hear this as a rallying cry for the work that God is going to. We should hear this song. We should read this scripture and be like, yeah, God is on the move. Yeah, God is gonna be doing new things. Yeah, God is about to change the world anew again. We remember during Advent, you know, the anticipation that the Israelites had. But we also remember the plight and angst of the people of earth today, desperate for reprieve. Remember the people in Egypt, in New York, in Syria, and all over the earth lately, that have lost their lives, loved ones, and health to bombings and senseless acts of violence we sit and grieve. We remember the forgotten children around the world and in particular, as a church, we remember the orphans in Honduras and our heart breaks with them because of the civil unrest. There's a mission team that was gonna go bring them Christmas presents and spend Christmas with them but could not be with them and so as in solidarity as a church, we grieve, we lament because we are in the not yet. It snowed in Mobile last week, and we celebrated that last week, and I still can't get over the fact that it snowed in Mobile, but what was a night of fun and frivolity for all of us was a night of misery and great help for the homeless of our community and all over this country. On this fifth anniversary of the Sandy, Sandy Hook tragedy, the mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, grandparents, uncles, aunts, friends who lost babies, children on the worst day of their lives And on the worst day of our country's history, we remember them and recognize that we are in the not yet. Jesus came, lived, died, resurrected, and ascended into heaven, but we are still very much a part of the kingdom work going on. And so we too should hear the song of Mary, not simply as a reflection on what God just did, but also what God is doing and what God is going to do. It should be a rallying cry for us. We should hear that and say, I want to be a part of that because we believe in Jesus and we believe that we should proclaim the gospel. But if we want to read the rest of the New Testament appropriately, we also see that heaven is coming to earth and it came originally in the form of a baby. And now that kingdom work is not just being known by the person of Jesus in human form, but known in and through the church, in and through me and you. If we want things to change, it's not just sitting around and we're just waiting, waiting on the world to change. It's us hearing the cry, hearing the rallying cry to say, you know what? Things can't stay this way. We need to be a church at work. We need to be a people at work. And so if you had something stirring in your heart recently. Maybe there's just been a little vibe going on in your soul, and you're saying, You know what? I feel like I should do a little bit more. I feel like I should be doing something. Maybe I'm doing nothing. I feel like I should be serving. Or maybe I'm not giving. I feel like I should be giving. Or maybe I've been doing some things, but I really should be doing more or in different areas. I pray that you'll do that, that you'll take that stirring of the Holy Spirit in your life seriously, that you'll volunteer with Family Promise or other homeless ministries in our church. If you've been thinking about giving more, I pray that you pray about that as a family. And do that. And if you want to be a part of ministry that you give to, I pray that you do that too. That you say, how can I plug in? How can I serve? How can I be part of God's work in the world? Volunteer with Joy for Johnny, Mules on Wheels, the Honduras Mission, or countless other great support groups and compassion ministries our church does. If you want to make a difference in the lives of other people, tell Tim or Wanda that you want to volunteer and help with children's ministry or youth ministry. If you want to teach or lead a Bible study because God's put that on your heart, that is kingdom work. These things we talk about as a church is saying, oh, that's just church programming. That's just something I got to do. That is making the kingdom known on earth as it is in heaven. Sometimes it feels, oh, I just got another thing. I've got to do another thing. But when we hear Mary's rallying cry, immediately they're like, well, yeah, let's go change the world. We have very practical ways of doing that in and through the life of the local church. And if we all do our part, this world will change. I believe that if we all say, God, I want to serve you faithfully and put you and your mission of this bringing kingdom of heaven down to earth, I want to put that first, this world will be different. The world will be turned upside down when the church acts like the church. And so in this Advent season, I believe, friends, I truly believe that God will continue scattering the proud, like Mary said. God will continue bring the rulers down from their thrones of oppression and corruption those who are not leading in the way that they should, I believe that God will continue to lift up the humble and will continue to send the rich away empty if they hoard what they have for themselves. The first time it happened, it came and in through this baby. The next week we're going to celebrate. But from then on, it's me and it's you. If we want things to be different, then let's hear that rallying cry, let's feel the inspiration. Let's join the revolution. I pray that we all answer God's heart calls on our hearts and our minds to make the kingdom of God known on earth as it is in heaven. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you that you are at work in our lives and that you are inspiring us and that you are calling us and that you are moving in ways that are just mighty. We ask now that you stir in our hearts the, the practical ways that you want us to serve, that you stir in our hearts how it is that you want us to be a part of this kingdom work. What it is you're calling us to do. Who you are calling us to be. We are thankful that in this Advent season. We get to be a church gathered together and celebrate. That we get to look forward to Christmas. That we get to reflect in this Advent season. And we give you Thanks. And we ask that you let this stirring that happens in our hearts during this hour of worship continue each and every day of our lives. Convict us on Monday. Convict us on Tuesday, on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. God, continue moving in our hearts that we experience you anew each and every morning. You are our God, and we are your people. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.